Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a man who has helped lead his team back to the NCAA Sweet 16 for the second consecutive year. A returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows and a man you know best as the head coach of the South Carolina men's tennis team. It's our friend Josh Goffey. Coach, congratulations on another fantastic opening weekend. How are you doing today? Good. Doing great, man, especially after a a solid weekend there. So uh, good Monday preparing for that. That's what I like to hear. So with that in mind, you know, again, I have a set list of questions. We are officially beginning our NCAA press row. And for whatever it's worth, Coach, you were the first guy I texted. I was like, let me just get Coach Goffey out of the way. You know, you start with the worst. You work our way towards the better ones. Um, But, no, of course, with that in mind, I want to talk uh, about last weekend and what you guys were able to do, particularly coming off of an SEC tournament where, you know, you were without Rafa. And obviously, you guys fall in the quarterfinals of that tournament, not something probably expectation-wise you were expecting. Let's just start with there. Were you, were you satisfied with the level, the bounce back you saw from your guys this weekend? Yeah, really impressed. Um, actually, very, very impressed with the level of play that we were able to bring, um, especially on uh, against Pepperdine there. You know, and look, that, that was not – a great tournament. I mean, we, we lost quarterfinals to Auburn there. They played a great match. We were down a guy, but, but, you know, look, that put a little doubt in our guys, you know, to be totally honest of whether we could reproduce the, the tennis that's been going on all year. We had a two week break there that, um, you know, we wanted to get back on the horse and start competing and, and that two week break could, could let the mind play a little bit. So I think we handled it great. Uh, just from a training perspective, we put in a really, really big week, uh, right after, almost to uh, quote unquote, puke that, you know, and it gone worse. And we we sort of let the guys rest and and get tuned up here prior to the weekend. And so, first match was a little bit 
uh, it was good. We let the guys work through some things, you know, but definitely first round jitters, you know, against the four seed, but still came out towards the end of singles there and played really good tennis. Um, and then the opening part of the, the Pepperdine match was a little bit tight, but then once the boys got emotionally engaged, uh, it was, we were firing on all cylinders from that point on. Mm-hmm. And something I know you guys have prided yourself on all year long has been the success you've had in doubles. And, you know, you look at the record, I think you guys are 53 and 19 in individual sets. That's a 74% win percentage. You talk about the two weeks you had between the SEC tournament and the start of the NCAA tournament. You know, you've played around with a couple of your doubles teams, and I know part of that's been by necessity due to injury. But was that a right. big focus? To, because you know how important doubles will be in this NCAA tournament. Is that something you guys are locking in on during that two-week layoff? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, doubles doubles is it's one set, but it's like the most important point. It's, it sets the standard. You know, we can, as coaches, we can minimize it with our team or we can, you know, and, and we definitely do. When we lose it, it's like, oh, it's only one point. <laughs> when we win it, it's like that's the most important point, right? But as a, a coaching philosophy, I mean, if you lock in that does point and it, it is almost a preview for what's coming for the next two and a half hours in singles, you know, sort of look at it. And so if you compete hard nosed, you're going to be in position to take that does point. And, and it does, you know, it, it affects the match. If you don't come out firing there and you're not where you need to be emotionally, physically, mentally, then it either gives hope for a team that might think they have a, a huge mountain to climb. Or it can actually shut the door and, and almost take the legs out right from the bat if you have a good start in singles. So it pivotally, you know, from a momentum standpoint, it plays a huge, huge role in the success of a dual match. So we've got we've got seven, eight guys that can play quality dubs, you know, so moving guys around is not a problem. Um, you know, I, I like the teams. I'm a big believer, as I've said here before, of, of sticking with the team and working through some of the issues throughout the season. So they, they know each other inside and out when it comes down to, to pressure moments and in tournament time. So, and we've, the only changes that we've made all year is strictly just because of necessity. You know, if we could, we would have stuck with all, with our teams all the time, but our three team, we found a great three team and they're still undefeated. Um, some dubs, you know, and Toby's, Toby's an anchor down there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, you've seen some good doubles teams in your day. And were you at Duke for the Henrik Kuna years? Were you there for any of it? Absolutely, yeah. That's the Brazilian connection. Yeah, so uh, that's what I I was going to ask. If you get Rodriguez, you know, you get your choice of Henrik and whomever or Rodriguez and Thompson. Are you, you know, are you going (laughs) a little, yeah, a little Henrik and I don't know, are you going a little, I'm trying to think of all the different options. He played with so many different guys throughout the course of the year. You could go with like a Hemler option. You could go with, I don't know, throwing a different thing as well. Maybe a little Chris Mangle action. What are you going with? I mean, look, Cunha and Carlton were just a legendary team. You know, I mean, freshman year, Cunha rolls in. He's number one in singles and number one in doubles his freshman year. You know, last guy to beat Stevie Johnson, I think, in the regular season. You know, I mean, the kid could play serious tennis. And uh, that lefty serve was nasty, and Reed was just in, just flying all over the net. So that was a fun team to be around, fun team to watch. It was a like guaranteed lock at one there every single time. But, but you know, this this team that we have currently in our spot, at one spot, these guys are, are solid. They played together last year. We're built on that team this year. And uh, they've only lost four or five times all year. You know, they even when they're playing poorly, they find a way. You know, and that's that's a sign of a championship team. And, um, you know, and that's that's what we're trying to, you know, breathe through all three teams is it doesn't matter what it looks like, feels like, you know, if you play good, solid, disciplined, hard nosed doubles, you'll be in winning position. 
Mm-hmm. No, Cunha Carlton was one of my first teams like I t- completely nerded out on. So I will always have a strong connection. That's why I had to ask the question. But <laughs> yeah, you know, again, looking at what you guys were able to do uh, this this past weekend, you guys take the doubles point and then, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, all year long, one, two, three, four. That's been the staple of your success this season. And obviously, when you have a guy like Daniel Rodriguez, you're feeling pretty good about him. And he's 22 and three at the number one spot. Toby, 16 and five at the number two spot. Even Connor at 18 and five at the number three spot. Again, that's been the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, 19 and seven at four, good. But room for improvement, 14 and 12 at five. And yet this weekend you look, Rafa comes back on court, 7-6-6-1 victory. James, a 6-4-7-6 victory. Talk to me about the performance you saw from those guys this weekend. Look, if you, if you take the win of the season and, and Rafa's spot at four, he has been absolutely probably our best spot with Danny. You know, he was undefeated at the four spot in the SEC. Not a lot of people understand that. His only loss in the SEC all season was to Riffis at two. Um, he he's by far uh, our best performing point right there with Danny. You know, and then if you take a segment of the back end of the season for a story, look, he's a new guy in our program. Uh, we had to learn learn about him. We had to learn, you know, about his game, a little bit of structure and what he's trying to do on the court. Um, you know, even the Kentucky match that he lost to. Uh, to to their five guy there that was you know he played a phenomenal match there it was a six and six match and uh against a an undefeated guy there and you know look that's that's a heck of a point but james story is playing great tennis right now you know the the day that he lost to Margett, he's only lost to um can't believe i'm dropping the name from kentucky lapidat he lost to lapidat and he lost to Margett. and Margett when he's on fire i mean he took the racket right out of story's hands but besides that you take those two matches out the last 10 matches that story has played he is going to be one of the better fives in the country right now. So I feel real confident walking into any situation, you know, right now with with all those spots. Yeah, no, and again, James, 6-3 and three in his last 10 matches, obviously rounding into right. form as well. And, you know, with all of that in mind, I kind of want to talk about your season and where you guys have gone. And again, I, I mentioned I have a set list of questions for all of you uh, coaches. We can get into some yeah. of them now. You look at what you guys were able to accomplish this season, 22-6 and six overall. You're, you know, finished top five in the SEC in a year where there were really five teams pushing the chase. And, you know, obviously you guys get some very big wins early on in the SEC season dealt with some health issues in that middle portion, but still wins against Kentucky, Auburn, Texas A&M to end your year. With all of that in mind, the best win of the season for South Carolina, in your mind, Coach, what was the best win of the year? Oof. I'm going to be, I'm going to be really honest. I'm going to say LSU. Yeah, fourth. That was a great and match. It was an unbelievable match. And, and the reason why is because we had, we, we had to pull three guys off the bench and put them in and those guys stepped up, you know, we had, uh, it was right after the car accident. We went down there, uh, played with a limited lineup against Florida and then rolled back into our house on Sunday. Uh, everybody was still not where they needed to be, but you know, the ability to step up in those moments, season on the line, it was it was just a remarkable match from from everybody top to bottom, the fight, the passion, the character, and just the the, the will to push in those moments. It was amazing. So, I would say that that's you know that to me was the most important. You know, there were a lot of big matches. There were a lot of good wins, 
but that one kept us afloat and let, you know, let us get back on track and, and really make that second push through the season. Mm-hmm. I know Casey Houle is a guy you've talked about and what his future can present because obviously you look for Casey. He's a freshman and limited action. But off of that, you know, Casey was a guy who jumped in and got a win at that number six spot. And obviously he's been playing some three doubles for you guys throughout the course of the season. Mm-hmm. It's always tough to to crack a veteran laced lineup, right? And I know you guys bring in James, yeah. but pretty much all of your starters had returned from last season. What did you think of Casey's first year on campus? Obviously, he was the only freshman on your team. Yeah, and Casey came in at the end of January, uh, just with COVID and the lockdown over there, and and just the the obstacles that presents with with uh, you know the with his passport and all that and just getting a visa. It was, everything was bottlenecked and he came in and he got in literally 45 minutes to the, to the hour that he was going to have to stay in Australia. He had 45 minutes to make it through customs there or else it was, sorry, you can't come to the U S and go to college. So it was down to the wire there. Um, and all, you know, when I say that, it's just the fact that, look, he's, he is a good player, but it takes a little while for guys to settle in. And, you know, and, and we are also just like with James, it takes me a little while to really want to start working with a guy. I need to be able to learn about him. I need to see him in pressure environments to really get to know him. And so I would feel confident about speaking some knowledge and how he maybe wants to organize his game and so on. So, so with that, look, Casey's done an amazing job and, and I do believe in Casey um, quite a bit and he is learning a lot, but he, he's drinking through a fire hose right now. You know, it's tough, but that's the way it is. And, and he'll look, he's finding a stride. He's finding his legs right now. And, and regardless of, of what goes on and if he gets the wins or not, you know, I'm seeing improvement every single day and, and we're just hoping to extend the season. So maybe you can keep getting a little bit more mileage there. Third set breaker against Tennessee or the 15 minutes before Casey gets through the airport. What's more nerve wracking for you? <laughs> I would, uh, I would honestly say probably the, yeah, probably the, the airport. I mean, we were calling senators and things like that to get things pushed through, but look, you know, I, I live for those moments inside that Tennessee match, you know, like that's where it's like you either take action or you panic and there's, there's only one way to do it. So, you know, that's the moment you want to be in. That's why we're in the sport. And uh, that's the moment of the dual match that we all want to be in. So it's, I want that. I want that again. So if that happens this next week against Virginia bring it on. No, I love the idea of you being like, hi, Senator Tim Scott. This is Josh Goffey from South Carolina. I, we're having an issue at the yeah. Australia airport. I really I, – can you, can you help me out? Like that's the Zoom call I want not, to be on. Yeah, you're literally not far off from that. But, yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty much how it went down. Yeah. I like it. All right. The match you'd like to play again from this season. You get to replay any match. What do you pick? Georgia. Florida with the full team? Uh, we're hoping to get that one in a couple of rounds, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll see. I so, like um, but, uh, Georgia, Georgia at Georgia coming off of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I'd love that, to have that one back. Yeah. That's the one that you um, kick yourself a little bit. Yeah. You know, we're up, uh, we were up going in we, you know, and, and, uh, four courts indoors, you know, and, and it is what it is. They did a good job that day and, and I thought we did pretty well. But, uh, but that's one that I would love to have back. That would, that's, that's a season changer there as well. Mm-hmm. No, certainly on the short list. All right, team MVP. And I know you want to give credit to all of the guys, but if you had to give it, you know, again, you're giving right. out that MVP award. And in fact, there probably is a South Carolina team MVP award. Who's getting it this season? Yikes. <laughs> you know, it's hard, it's hard to go away from Danny Rodriguez. 
the guy just performs. He just gets it done. I mean, he hasn't felt he hasn't felt great all year, you know, about about his level and and the guy's barely losing sets. You know, it's it's hard to go away from that. The guy comes to work every single day. But I said it in the beginning of the year. I could, I said the wild card was going to be Raf Lamlin, you know, and you know I always have a wild card. You know, if it's he, those are the difference makers. I know who, I know what we're bringing at certain spots, and that was the one that was in question and we have one every year. I'm sure every coach does, you know, and thank God it's only one for us, you know, and, and that one was if Raf, if Raf is able to, to really get organized and come to the table, we're going to be dangerous. Like we're going to be real dangerous. And he did an unbelievable job this year. You know, he works through it beginning part of the year. I know there was some doubts and from people on the outside, but we were seeing a lot of work being done. He was getting, he was getting where he needed to be and, and the results ended up coming and they ended up coming on a landslide. So he's turned into a warrior um and you know and he's a he's a huge component of what we do so he's been the silent guy that's just gone to work and the team the team absolutely respects what he's done so i'd have to give it to him no you mentioned it earlier and this leads into my next question which is going to be most improved player which was going to be my nominee probably rafa and you mentioned it 11 and 1 in conference play what has been the difference watching him play because i watch it like physically I don't see that different. You know, it's not that different of a player from what we saw 2020 indoors or last season. It's not, you know, right. I, he's not hitting. The, the technique hasn't changed. Is it, a, is it a mental thing? Yeah, of course it's a mental thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, not a lot of people understand this, but the ball's only in play for 10 minutes out of every hour that you play. Yeah. You know, so it's really like what's going on in that extra 50 minutes in the hour. And that's where players either make huge jumps at this level or or not you know and so if a player doesn't truly understand who they are and a player doesn't truly understand what they're trying to do every single point like this is what my identity is this is what Raph Lambling does at three all 30 all this is what I do at four love 40 love those are two completely different sections of a match and and to be able to get organized and to understand everything down to shot selection to how you approach tactically and then strategically and moving a match along momentum and all that that's all that's a lot that not a lot of players come to college with and uh and it's stuff that they they at the highest level is is really to be honest all that matters and then once that has you have a grasp on that then we can go back to the skill work and then start maybe making some moves in in the area that you just talked about but one thing that raf's done is raf's learned a lot about himself and he simplified things upstairs in his head and put a lot of weight into managing a match and that's ultimately what you're seeing so if he's hitting the ball poorly or he's hitting the ball great you know it's just another factor in how he's going to go about the day well so pretty good stuff by his part with that in mind, I, we got the chance to watch, obviously, a lot of South Carolina tennis this year on our Cracked Records cross-court coverage. And again, I mean this as a compliment. I want to be clear. You're an active coach during the match. You are, you know, talking to your guys point by point, game by game. You're, you know, there's constantly a dialogue going on yeah. between you and them. I'm curious when you look at a guy like Daniel, who, as you mentioned, 22-3 and three, and is coming off of an NCAA finalist appearance last year in the singles – do you coach him differently this year? I know that may be a stupid question, but at this point, I'm almost curious, what are you saying to Daniel as, because obviously level-wise, I'm sure there's not much left to say. Is it all tactical, like little mental adjustments, or are you leaving him on his own to help him prepare for his pro career? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you've watched it, I was, I come across his court every now and then, and I check in with him. Um, you know, and I watch, I watch from afar, you know, the guys that have made moves, it's not just Danny, but it's like when they could be freshmen, I, I, you know, if, if they are at a certain level, 
and they know what they're trying to accomplish out there and they're organized and they're be able to run their own match, then I'm going to leave it to them and I will give them small adjustments. You know, hey, I've noticed that your ball flight's a little low. This guy needs to be hurt over here. This is why the match sort of changed and it's gotten a little tougher, you know, and, and let him work through that on his own, on his changeover. But just give him a little nudge back in line to where he needs to be. That's That's really, ideally, Alex, I'd love to do that with all six guys, but the guys that we're able to recruit here at South Carolina, let's be honest, we're not getting top 10 guys in the world left and right. You know, that's not the, that's not the player we are getting. So, so there is a developmental aspect of, you know, what it is. I don't know if I would be coaching that way at another school where I, if I was able to get things like that, but I have to teach on the court and there's not a better time to teach than in the biggest pressure moments. So if that's possible, there's a lot of groundwork and there's a lot of improvement that is actually coming from the matches more so than the practice courts. And so, yeah, I coach Danny differently, just like uh, by Jubbs into the end of his career, I was barely on the score. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just watching and monitoring and playing every point emotionally and physically or mentally with them, but not physically. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just so you can have a feel for the match and give him a little nudge, something maybe he's not seeing. And so that's the goal. You know, and, and the moment a player starts getting there, the less I go on the court. Toby, Toby's grown quite a bit this year. And, uh, and, you know, and there's a, just a few little things that we are dropped in his, his bucket every now and then. But as you go to the other courts, Connor Thompson, James Story, really not on their courts very much anymore at all right now. So really impressed with most of my guys at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I will I, slightly disagree with you. You absolutely feel those matches physically. I can see it on your face. Like you are physically right there with Rodriguez <laughs> and Samuel and all of those guys in those moments. Yeah, I see the sweat coming down. Yeah, we are spent after the match, for sure. (laughs) Good. That's half the fun. Well, with that in mind, let's look forward. Obviously, you guys have the Sweet 16 coming up, and, you know, you guys are going to be traveling, going on the road. Let's start there. Do you like the super regional format, or would you go back to the massive site Sweet 16? I would love to go back to the massive site. Mm -hmm. uh, It's a treat. It's also just, you know, it's something – and I look and I'm biased because that's the way it was when I played, but, but it, it is like, you know, I feel like that is granted. That's a celebration, mm-hmm. you know, for at the end of the year, I, I think it's great for all the guys to go there and be with sort of the most successful teams out there. And, and it just allows for another eight teams to be there and, and, and so on. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's no different. It's got to make it to the lead, lead eight, then you can go there and, and have the same experience. And so, you know, for me, it's a, uh, the top 16, it's tough. You know, uh, there's, 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 there's certain conferences. We are not one of them. We are, we are a conference that gets as many chances possible to, to get into the top eight. You know, we have, we have the, uh, the teams to be able to do it, but I think there's a lot of good teams out there. A lot of really good programs that maybe don't get that option to be a top eight seed or fight for a top eight seed just because of their scheduling parameters, you know, and, and if they're getting the uh, middle Tennessee to, to the top, a 16 seed would have been amazing you know, for those guys to be able to make it to that site. And, and it, it allows for a little more parity when it comes to all of it. You know, for us, we, you know, we definitely messed it up and didn't get it. But, you know, I think there's a lot of other conferences that it could really benefit. So personally, I just like it. No, now I'm starting to understand why the Georgia match is the one you point out. Because I'm like, yeah, they win that. You do the math. Like, here's one. Like, okay, it checks out. (laughs) But, no, with that in mind, as you look towards the Sweet 16, you guys are headed back to Charlottesville playing Virginia. You guys were there in 2019 uh, where they knocked you out in the second round. It's a place you know well. What is your biggest concern for you and the guys heading into the Sweet 16? 
uh, it's a good team, but we've faced teams like these guys all year. You know, I don't think we have any concerns to be totally honest. I mean, it's, we know that we know it, it's, it, look, it's tough to beat a good team on the road in their house. It's tough. You know, anywhere you go, it's tough. Um, and we haven't really fared great so far this year in, in on road trips, uh, especially, I think most of our losses on the road have been indoors and, um, you know, and, and there might be a chance of rain on Friday. So if, if there was ever a, a lineup that's about to happen where you get a little bit of rain, you're on the road and a big pressure moment, you know, and, and a chance to overcome that, that sort of the, the three or four matches that we lost there on the road, it would be this weekend. So, you know, our, my job as a coach is always to frame set, frame everything to go and gain rather than something to lose. And, you know, our guys are ready and they're hungry. And, and uh, you know, if it's indoors, perfect. Let's go. You know, let's undo the four losses that we had that, that didn't give us the eight seed. Let's go and get those. Let's go and get this one on the road indoors. And let's prove to ourselves that we can actually make a run this year. I love it. Did you ever play Andreas in college? Never played Andreas in college. Uh, we played during the same four years. He's exactly my year. He was the first player. Uh, we played at Kalamazoo in 16s on court five there. <laughs> and that was, uh, that, was, that, was a, that was my first national tournament ever. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and it was it was a successful day for for the Gamecocks at that point back uh, in the day. I like it. No, that's so, fun because yeah, I was thinking because yeah. you guys overlapped entirely, right? And so like you never played him because he was at Duke. Obviously, you're at Clemson. Not once did you guys end up playing. Was he not at number one? No, I mean he played for a much better college. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> like you know the guys that he had lined up. And I mean he was. Andres could have, Andres was a great player, but he could have played one, you know, I think they had five or six number ones that year. I mean, it was a joke their number six player. In fact, that year made finals of all American or won it. And I think he won it and, uh, and he played six. So that'll tell you the stack team that Duke had that year back in the day, but um, he's a heck of a player, heck of a competitor and a a great friend of mine. So looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be a great match. Mm -hmm. No, it's going to be fun. Certainly. Now I'd ask you for the match calculus. I, the thing is, I'm going to ask every coach, give me the match calculus, what's going to lead you okay. to victory. Do I anticipate a single coach will actually give me their match calculus? No, I do not. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to ask anyways, you know, again, as you look at the Sweet 16 match, what's it going to take for you and the Gamecocks to get over the hump, get back to Champaign? We're going to have to, you know, as far as what we're going to have to get into, we're going to have to go deep in this match. Mm-hmm. You know, they are, they, on paper, they're a very, very talented squad. Um, you know, but that's not than what we've been dealing with all year. So our job is to go in there and, and make it rough and tough and, and make it about competing versus making it about shot making. And so as long as Virginia's allowed to, 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 to be able to hit their big shots and, and, you know, and, and, and so on, then they'll probably be successful. Once we can, you know, once we get it to deep in the rally and we're able to get under the hood a little bit, I think, uh, I think we'll be able to see what, what they got and, you know, and it may be better than what we're bringing but that's where we want to get the match. Yeah, I know. I love love to hear. With that in mind, my final question for you, and we mentioned this at the start of the season, there is not a single senior on your roster this year. And we joked around like, yeah, this this year's going to be fun, but this is the free year, right? This is the mulligan you get. This is the foundation you set for next season. Now, I know you are very focused on this year's NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16. Why wouldn't you be? You've proven you have a team that can compete with anyone in any given match. That said, have you and the guys 
you know, has this been a two-year build? For instance, you know, whatever happens this season, the guys, everyone knows, hey, we still have big pictures, big goals in mind. You know, because you are bringing this unit back, is that a perspective the guys have been able to have this season? Yeah, I think the guys want it. You know, they were they were ticked off after last year, not closing the door on Texas. Um, you know, and I think that edge is going to be coming into this match this, this week of, of trying to get there and do it right this time, get to the same point. You know, that would be the goal and then shutting the door this time. So, look, you know, it's and, and if we come up short, then we're going to go back to the drawing board and figure it out again. You know, that is that is a foundation of what we do here. We we are we pride ourselves on having that growth mindset of, look, it's OK, you know, but we're going to give it everything we have. And if we play the heart on the line and put everything we have into it, we'll be able to address exactly where we failed. And then we'll be able to go and fix that and get better at that for next year. So I, all of our guys know that we're coming back next year, you know, and that we're going to be there. But. You know, it, look, it's another year. There's a lot that goes into it. The guy's an unbelievable job. It's time to seize the moment, you know, and if we can get it, we can get it. But we've got to, you know, from this point on, it's just nothing but nails opponents from this point on. So we're going to lay our heart on the line and see how it goes. Yeah, now, now comes the fun stuff. And to your point, I remember that match with Texas last season. And, yeah, you guys are a heartbeat away from winning that match. Obviously, they go on to make the semifinals. Could have very well have been your team. And as we've seen all year long, I mean, looking at the matches, again, 22-6, and six, how many of your losses were 4-2 or 4-3 this season? It's very, very difficult, barring you guys being absent three starters from the lineup uh, to, to beat the Gamecocks uh, at all this year. And so obviously very much looking forward to you and the guys competing uh, this weekend and appreciate your tolerance of all of our nonsense throughout the year as well. So good luck to you and the team coach and obviously looking forward to seeing you all compete this weekend. Yeah, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.